All right, guys, we're back. Episode three, shorthanded once again. Hey, I'll give this time, man. So it's all that matters. But hey, we're here. So hopefully, we'll have the four of us back again soon. Um, gonna try to bring you two next week as well, but we'll see. Scheduling is scheduling. But uh, but I'm gonna let you take the floor on the Dak Prescott thing. We're gonna talk about for a little bit. Okay. What you got, Oh, I mean. He signed the franchise tender, and a lot of people said that he wasn't going to be signing it. So, easy. Uh, wasn't able to talk about this with Delby on the podcast, unfortunately, because of circumstances. But I finally was able to just silence all the Cowboy hater fans, more specifically Eagles, Redskins fans. They're the ones that's been saying, "Oh my gosh, Dak's not going to take the deal. He's not a team player." He's every other day. Have some bum article from some bum reporter about Jack's not going to sign the deal. He's Andy Dalton's the next thing in Texas. Come on, dude. Dak Prescott's our quarterback. I said it from the very beginning. He got signed, signed a franchise tag. People are like, oh, well, it's just for one year. Okay, no, it's a lot more than just one year. The dude's playing for America's team with probably one of the best receiving cores ever had. And they're healthy, just about every single one of them. He's going to be there for a long time, whether or not. People like it or not. That's just the way it's going to be. That's the way it's been. That's why he signed. So, I mean, there's not really anything else to say. I just want to see him play. I'm just excited to see him play. That's it. I just want to see I want the season to start. I'm glad the Hall of Fame game got canceled. That gives the guys a little bit of time to, you know, relax. Nobody likes that game. Okay, it was going to be kind of cool because it was Cowboys and Steelers. Okay, that's kind of iconic. Players don't like it. Okay, they really don't. So, um, that gives my boys have a little bit of time to prepare. Mike McCarthy kind of bowl with his boys for a little bit, you know, kind of prepare these guys. I'm excited, though. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm glad Dak finally signed, though. Uh, I think it's, I think it's been a lot closer this whole entire time than a lot, than a lot of people think, which is why I'm glad he signed. But uh, that ship has sailed. Like I said, I'm just ready for it, us to play. So. Yeah, I mean, it's simple as that. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest. It got to some point where even I didn't think he was going to sign it. But, like I said, like you said, he signed it. He's under contract for the for this upcoming year, thirty one point four million dollar tag. Uh, Dallas still, yeah, it's especially with the market. Yeah, oh yeah, Dallas still has until the fifteenth of July, I believe, to work out a long term deal. But honestly, don't see them coming to terms in long deal because they are so far apart on the four year, five year difference. Well, and the great beautiful thing is they can have that huge gap time because now instead of finalizing that huge long-term deal and now leave a little bit of cap room for, you know, possibly, you know, a great player within could be a free agency within the future. Maybe Jamal Adams, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Could be throwing something out there. Could be spitballing. But. Yeah. I, we talked about the Jamal Adams a couple of uh, the first episode that we put up, but I just, as of right now, the cap's there. as of right there. now, it's going to take an offer from Dallas to New York. And I know the Jets have the leverage, and I know that they have like, they have that basically locked up if he wants to to stay there if he wants to. Um, but I mean, I like Jerry Jones said it before: if he doesn't have trouble, his hands don't get tired signing checks. No. So, I mean, you could see something big here in the near future. Like I said, I just want to see his play. 
That's all I want. That's I want football back. I want sports to be back. I'm just excited to go. My team's here. Everybody's been saying that, oh, your quarterback, how are you excited about a season when your quarterback, your main leader of the team isn't even signed yet? I said, just wait. I texted y'all multiple times in my group chats. I, how many times did I say, patience, wait? <laughs> Dude, Quite often. That's all it took. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. But hey, I mean, but I mean, hey, and there you go. Like I said, I mean, you got your quarterback, you got your elite line, you got Zeke, you got your potentially elite receiving core. My only concern with Dallas's receiving core is, I think Michael Gallup's numbers are going to go down just because the fact that Ceedee Lamb's going to be there, and I don't think Ceedee's will be as high because Michael Gallup is there. Amari Cooper is still is still. It's still wide receiver one in Dallas. Let's not get crap confused. You're not paying. Thing, you're not paying a receiver a hundred million dollars to not be wide receiver one. Um, I think it's got potential to be the best in the league, obviously. But me with CD Lamb, I think CD might have a better year than Michael Gallup just because of the amount of pressure that is going to be on him wearing that number it, eighty-eight. It, it's just it's going to hover over him, which I mean I don't think he's going to act like it. It is because I mean he's just a player, he's just a dog. So yeah, but I kind of I think it's kind of a little bit switched. So I think now that we have all of these, I mean I call, I mean I obviously wouldn't call um, CD Lamb elite yet in the NFL because he hasn't played in the NFL. No, that's so Gallup and Cooper, that veteran experience. Cooper's no longer going to get the double teams he saw ninety five percent of the games he played in. Typically, he's not going to see possibly a game number one corners covering him that parts of the year, which is good because a guy like him, he gets hurt a decent amount. He's not quite injury prone, but I mean, the dude has a decent amount of injuries. He's old, not, not old, but he's getting older. So as the year progresses within the NFL season, you're going to get bumped up and you're going to get bruises. You know, it's just going to be the way it is. You're going to get banked up. But I mean, I think, I think people are going to have to just watch this, this receiving core work, bro. If they can like bomb, I mean, if they can mold and connect with each other, and if Dak can, you know, get a good relationship with everybody, I mean, he already has a good relationship with Cooper. Gallup, I mean, last year was a big proof as Gallup, he's the next guy coming up. I mean, most of Dak Prescott's yards he threw in that, like, short season he had. most A lot of the yards came from Gallup, if you look at the stats. Um, but I'm just excited. I'm excited for the team, dude. But, uh, yeah. dude, I don't know. I, I'm excited to play the Eagles, too, bro, like, the Eagles are going to be a good team this year, too. So oh, they will be. I'm excited for them. I'll, and, tell, I'll tell them they'll be that all day long. And, you know, with, you know, with Philly, um, here's the thing with the Eagles. If they can stay semi-healthy, semi-healthy, they're going to be in the playoffs. Hell, they were they were they were in the playoffs last year and had practice squad guys playing at key positions. So, I mean, yes, the team is different now, but I mean, it, it when it comes to football, it's not fully luck when you win a Super Bowl. I mean, bro, but for me, this is the first year in a while where I've been excited to watch just about every single NFC East game that Dallas has this year. Yeah, because like within the past three years, only thing I'm really able to look forward to. Was the Eagles game? Redskins and I mean Giants and Saquon kind of gives them a little bit of spark when they sign Danny Dimes, give them a little bit of spark. Chase Young, dude, for the Redskins. I'm telling you, man, it's know, a good dude. thing it's Dallas has years. an elite offensive line because that Redskins front four has the potential to be absolutely elite. And they're gritty, dude. The offense might not be as strong, and I mean 
me. I like the I, mean, I like the way it Haskins. I'm not a Redskins fan. I mean, obviously, I really can't be. I've always been a Haskins fan, though. I think he's a dog. I think if I mean, I don't know if you see that video of him literally like begging his offensive line. He's like, "What yeah. can I do to like oh, yeah. make this better?" Like they're getting stomped. Like you don't see that very often a quarterback doing that. Um, I think it says something about somebody. I think if they give him some weapons, give him a good. Did they draft an offensive lineman in the draft this year? Uh, not that I remember. They have a really promising wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. Um. All right, guys, we're back. There may be a little disadvantage in the audio, but that's just because we had some little technical difficulties. But, hey, everybody has it. But I was mentioning the Redskins do have Terry McLaurin, who had a pretty really good year last year. I just personally think Washington doesn't have enough on offense to compete with Dallas or Philadelphia. But they do have the potential for a really good defense, especially with Ron Rivera coming in. But um, I think Dallas wins the division. Sorry, Delby. I think Dallas wins the division. Uh, I think Philly does make the playoffs as well. The Redskins finish in third, and the Giants are dead last again because, let's be real, I like Daniel Jones, but the only thing the Giants really have going for him is Saquon Barkley. So let's get to... Let's get back to a topic. Uh, the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill. Uh, yeah, with Tannehill, uh, I just don't... I think he's a good system quarterback, if I'm going to be honest. I think he's a good quarterback to put in to win games. But he showed kind of... At least I think he's going to show this year that he's reliant on some type of weapon, whether it's a weapon like Derrick Henry, which I like Derrick Henry. He's like probably one of my favorite backs in the league uh with his running style i like the way it is that he gritty it's like old school to me i think that um but i think henry kind of carried him and made him look a lot better than what he was i don't i think he's a i think he's a good quarterback that can help you help you get wins if need be if you have a pretty good amount of weapons on the team i don't think he's quite elite and i think last year is probably the farthest they'll go this upcoming year, if that. Um, I just don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to be that quarterback that's going to get them a Super Bowl. That's just my opinion. Uh, how much, do you know how much they gave him in, a con, in the contract they signed? They gave him a four-year, $162 million contract with $62 yeah, million and fully guaranteed. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure I had the right numbers. Um, to me, that's he's a market quarterback in that sense. Kind of like how Kirk Cousins received that ginormous contract. He just so happened to get a contract at the right time and the market was high. Good for him. You know, got that money. Good for you, Ryan Tannehill. You got some pretty good weapons there in Tennessee. I think you're going to do well. Um, don't think you're going to be a Super Bowl caliber team. I don't think, unless he shows me, unless he shows me more promise and a lot more, like, not swag, more like charisma. I guess more charisma is what I need to see in him. So, yeah, mediocre to good at best. Yeah, uh, when it comes to Tannehill, I mean, he was drafted eighth overall by the Miami Dolphins in 2012. Um, He did spend seven years there, but he only played six. Threw for over 20,000 yards, 123 touchdowns, and 75 interceptions. But he only had one winning season in Miami, which was in 2016. He was eight and five as a starter. He, again, didn't even play the full year because he's got. He always had injury issues in Miami, but that's not always his fault. The Dolphins aren't known for surrounding talent-wise down there in Florida. Um, 
after the 2018 season, he was traded to the Titans where he was expected to back up former Oregon quarterback Marcus Mariota. Well, what did Mariota do? Struggled again because the Titans are incompetent and didn't put anything around Mariota. Talent-wise system. So in comes Tannehill. Has a career year. He throws for over 2,700 yards and 22 touchdowns. He only threw six interceptions, the lowest amount in his career. Um, And they got into the playoffs, obviously on the back of running back Derrick Henry, and I'll talk about him too. Uh, they got into the playoffs and then shocked the professional football world when they upset Brady in New England, let alone Brady's last game as a Patriot. Hey, King Henry did it, bro. And then they go into Baltimore. Their defense makes Lamar Jackson look like trash, and Derrick Henry uh, once again carries them to a win over Baltimore. And then they they played well against the Chiefs, but it caught up to them that they couldn't do anything outside of Derrick Henry. Chiefs are just one of those teams that they will just pick you apart, especially after the second half. And I, I mentioned Tennessee gave him four years, one hundred and sixty-two million, with sixty-two million in guaranteed money. After one good season. It's insane, dude. That's and insane. I have been saying this for months. I think the Colts run away with the AFC South. I think the Titans are going to have a massive a massive drop-off. I don't even think they make the playoffs. Um, and as far as the Texans are concerned, you can't tell me that after giving away your best player for free, basically, that you're going to be the same team. Like... Brandon Cooks can't stay healthy. Will Fuller can't stay healthy. Uh, Kenny Stills can't stay healthy. Like, I just... And they're coached and organized by Bill O'Brien, who's one of the biggest morons in professional sports. So, and then we don't really have to talk about Jacksonville because they're going to be super bad. So what you're telling me is that your boy Phillip Rivers is just going to tear it apart. I'm not saying that. I think he's going to struggle too, but I think the Colts have more talent than anybody in that division. I don't know. I like Phillip Rivers a lot too, man. So I think that offensive line, that's going to be something else. So and, and we'll see, and we'll talk about the Colts here in a little bit. But that was kind of with Tennessee, and it's just like I see them having a massive drop-off. They had a really good year. Uh, well, They went 9-7, and seven, but then, you know, you beat New England, you beat Baltimore, and you're up over 10 points against Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. But it eventually caught up to them that Ryan Tannehill couldn't do anything with football. Exactly. And it's true. That's what I'm saying. It's true. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the Colts yet. I'm going to change up our little order here. We're going to... You know who we're going to talk about? You know who we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about Texas football. Hook em, baby. Hook em. Let's go. Um, and just so everybody knows, neither of us are Texas football fans. Nah, I love Texas, though. Buddha's a Virginia Tech fan. I am, too, but I'm also a diehard Oregon fan. Um, Texas, under Mac Brown, was national powerhouse. Mac was, Mac was there for 16 years. They won two Big 12 championships, one in 05 and one in 2009. Um, they, won the, they won the national championship in 2005 in in my opinion, the greatest college football game that has ever been With played. Vince Young taking the chip, putting yeah. his team on this back. Vince Young, USC. That game is, to me, is the greatest college football game of all time. Dude, with stars, dude, look at the rosters for both teams. Yeah. You had ties and winner for the other team, right? Didn't yeah. Reggie win that year? Uh, yeah, I think so. You had Reggie, you had Matt Leiner, 
You had Vince Young. You have Lindale White. I mean, it was one of the greatest games ever. And then they were also in the 2009 PCS National Championship game against Alabama, and that game started the downfall of this entire program. Yeah, Colt McCoy kind of, when he got hurt, that kind of messed up. I mean, but the numbers under Mac Brown, he had 23 All-Americans. He had 37 first-team Big 12 selections. And he also had a Heisman Trophy winner who... Who, who, of course, was running back Ricky Williams. He was a dog. He was a dog in college. And here's the thing. From 2001 to 2009, they never won less than 10 games. It was 10 games, 11 games, 12 games, 13 games. They were 10. I mean, they owned the Big 12. And then, then came the 2010 National Championship. They were undefeated. They were favored by a lot of odds in Vegas against Nick Saban's Alabama team. That was when the Bama, like, stream part started. Yeah, it was kind of started. And anybody that says Colt McCoy isn't one of the greatest college quarterbacks to ever play does not know what they're talking about. Dude, he threw, his numbers were insane. His numbers were insane. insane. He only lost eight games in his career. You can say what you want about what he did in the NFL, but in college, Colt McCoy, to me, is up there with Vince Young in terms of Texas football quarterback. It was the national championship. He got knocked out early with the concussion. Yeah, right? he, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, he, yeah, he got hurt early on their first drive, and they had to bring in a true freshman against an undefeated Alabama team, and they lost thirty-seven twenty-one. I don't care what happens. Your star quarterback goes out. That's a big drop. And off. ever since that game, Texas has not been the same. Now they were undefeated the following year. And they faced Texas Tech in that one versus four big game, which they lost because their starting All-American safety dropped an interception right in his hands, and Michael Crabtree scored the game winner the next play. That's After it. that loss, they finished that year five and seven. By the way, um, they've only had one ten-win season since two thousand and ten, and that was a couple years ago when they went to the when they beat the University of Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And everybody was like, Texas is back, Texas is back, and then this year they only won eight games. Yeah, which... I hate the phrase... I hate the phrase, Texas is back, because it's the same... It it annoys me. I despise that. Hey, Matthew McConaughey will tell you, bro. Hook him, baby. They're going to the natty. Um, uh, We're not going that far. Oh, I don't know. College football is going to be crazy this year if they haven't. And then, so, Mac Brown leaves in 2013 he retires i mean he did he semi-retired because he's coaching at north carolina now yeah they hire charlie strong boy was this a bad move it was a disaster i think within his first six months they kicked like eight players off the team um charlie strong went 16 and 21 with one bowl appearance in his three seasons in Austin. Uh, he got fired at the end of the 2016 season. Then they brought in Tom Herman from Houston. Tom Herman was the football coach recruit that year. Texas got him. And they've seen more success under him since than since Mac Brown retired. They've made a bowl game every year. They went 7-6 and six in his first year. They had a 10-win season in his second year, which included that victory over Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, where Sam Ellinger proudly decided to exclaim, Texas is back, baby. And then proceeds to only win eight games the following year. Hey, hook him, baby. Hook him. Um, 
But I will say, the last two years, they've been ranked consecutively in the AP postseason rankings. Um, the first time they've been ranked consecutive after the season in two short years since 2008 and 2009. As far as this year goes, and I've talked about it with you before, it is one simple fact. Until proven otherwise, the Oklahoma Sooners own the Big 12, and they have. It's over with. Not they've this won year, it but... five years in a row. They don't have their highs in quarterbacks anymore. Who's quarterback? Uh, Rattler? Yeah, Spencer nah, Rattler. On, Who's, uh, here's my thing. Texas has potential, but their schedule isn't the easiest. They, so, I mean, I don't know, man. I think Texas has the potential to be in the Big 12 championship. They have potential to be in the college football playoff. I just don't see it. I probably don't see them winning the Natty this year, but, I mean, I think they can get into the college football playoffs. Uh, I think they can. All right, man, you can take the floor on this. Uh, With Texas? Uh, I mean, you know how I feel about Ellinger. Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. Sam Ellinger is a fantastic quarterback. And the dynasty, if we're talking about the dynasty, I mean, it speaks for itself. If you watch any big-time game that Texas has played in, most of the time they're usually coming out on top. And it's an incredible piece of football that you watch. I mean, minus like how te- like Texas was back in like the old, old days, like back when things were kind of iffy. Uh, when Texas probably wasn't a very respected ball ball club, but I mean, ever since Vince Young came on came into the picture, and like you said, um, a few other head coaches that are probably Hall of Famers. Um, I'm excited with them though. I'm excited with them this year. I, I feel like Texas is always one of those teams that like you can always kind of got to look at every single year because like I feel like they're a team that I mean. Their background, I mean, when people see that, like, Longhorn logo, like, they know it's, like, I mean, it's a big-time football program. Like, they still get their recruits, I feel like. Yeah, they they might not have, some, like, one of the best recruit, like, recruiting classes every year consistently, but, I mean, kids are still going to go to Texas because they know what Texas is about. And know that Texas is at the end of the day, like I said, Texas is a team that's going to be looked at every single year just because of its dynasty. It's like with the Alabamas, the Ohio States – those kind of teams. The Oklahoma's now, uh, Clemson. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. And so, this is just kind of, I've said it before. If we have a college football season, the three spots of the four are already taken. The winner of the SEC, Clemson, and Ohio State. There's going to be a lot of teams fighting for that four spot. The winner of the Big 12, that would be the winner of the Big 12, these boys right here, um, which, considering we're not doing video, that would be the University of Oregon. Um, I just, I think it's more open, the Big 12 is, in recent years, because you also have Iowa State with Brock Purdy. Iowa State's another team that is a team to watch for in the Big 12. And then you have Baylor, but I don't think Baylor's going to do a lot, especially, hey, since Matt Rule. You know what I mean? especially since Matt Rule. But I will say one thing about Texas. They always play, at least in the past several years, the Red River rivalry game in Dallas, that's always a must-watch because no matter how bad Texas is or how good Oklahoma is... Dude, it's, it's going to be a dogfight. It's always a dogfight and it's competitive. It's a dogfight. So, uh, Texas has definitely had a downfall, but I don't feel like it's as big as USC's just because they didn't get hit with all the... Um, they didn't get hit with all the accusations and all the NCAA penalties. 
Texas just since Colt McCoy, they really haven't been the same. That's just kind of how I feel about Texas. Um, back to the NFL side. We mentioned about Bill O'Brien earlier for Houston. I don't care how good your head coach is, how good your players are. If you don't have a GM who knows how to successfully build a NFL franchise, you are not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Case in point, former Indianapolis Colts general manager Ryan Grigson. A case we made, he's one of the worst front office management in NFL history. Because you want to know who's to blame for Andrew Luck's retirement after only being in the league for seven seasons? Ryan Grigson. I mean, they only... Andrew Luck was considered the next John Elway coming out of college. Like, that's how good he was supposed to be. Colts had... Yeah, Colts had the easiest option on the board, taking Andrew Luck at one overall. They added Kobe Fleener, they added Dwayne Allen, and they added T.Y. Hilton in this this 2012 draft. It was a home run. The era after Peyton Manning seemed promising. And then came the 2013 NFL draft class. I'm not even going to mention any players the Colts drafted because none of them are even in the league anymore. I mean, and you look at Luck, his first three years, they were all 11-5 and five with an AFC Championship game appearance in 2014, which they got smacked by New England. But, you know, in this rate, who didn't get smacked by New England? But the, 23, the 2013 draft class was historically bad. 2014 through 2016 weren't much better. And he was fired after the end of the 2016 season, and then Ballard came Whoa, in. whoa, whoa. Let's not talk about the 2016 draft now. Whoa, now. I'm just saying. His draft classes weren't very good. And it comes down to two faults. His team management and his lack of getting Andrew Luck offensive line help. And you mentioned it earlier. The Colts have the best offensive line, arguably the best line in the league now. It was oh. too late. The Quentin Nelsons and the Quentin Nelsons, yeah, Costanzo, they waited too long. Yeah. Because this is just Andrew Luck was pressured when Grigson was the general manager, sixteen times a game. I don't care what your name is, Cam Newton, Mahomes, Lamar, you get pressured sixteen times a game. You're gonna get sacked a lot. And here's the thing. Grigson only drafted three offensive linemen in his tenure before the seventh round. All three of those are out of the league now, by the way. Um, or most of them. And all were just below average to bad. And then he just thought, don't spend money on an offensive line and your star quarterback's not going to die. Um, in 2016, Luck was sacked 41 times and was hit 128. That's insane. He, from 2012 to 2016 in Ryan Grigson's tenure in Indianapolis, Luck was hit 118 times at minimum every that's back, season. That's back when there wasn't as many rules as it is now. So, yeah. I mean, you, he's I getting mean, hit hard. You go to 2014-2015, the Colts' offense was bottom fourth in the league in spending. means they did not spend a lot of money on the offense. It showed. 
The cheapest being the offensive line. Why would you want to protect your franchise quarterback? Can you imagine if the Cowboys... They had to spend all their money on Pat McAfee, dude. The greatest yeah. player of all time. Like, can you imagine if the Cowboys did that to Dak? Dak would be out of the league right now. It's like with Romo. That's why, that's why everyone always used to hate Romo. Because he would get sacked a lot. And, like, people hit the under interceptions. It's because he'd be getting hit. Because he got pressure just about as many times as what Luck did. Yeah. And the reason that he played and got... All those like the ribs broken, collarbone, all that stuff. Yeah, like, and then I know uh, Mike, my uh, cousin and best friend, who's a Colts fan, and Carl can agree with me on this too. With the whole Andrew Luck thing, the Colts hid that injury in 2018, where he was out the whole year, the entire year. They never told the truth on it. They said he was going to be back for the regular season. Never happened. Of course, dude. Because in, in 2017, excuse me. Um, in 2018, you know, Luck came in and they were in the playoffs. And then, you know, the retirement that shocked the world last year. But what I want to talk about with Ryan Grigson is simply one of the most egregious trades in NFL history. The Trent Richardson move. The Colts in 2013 acquired the third overall pick in the 2012 draft for a first-round pick. That first-round pick... Browns used on Texas A&M quarterback Johnny Manziel. Money Manziel. So they didn't lose too much. But he barely played two seasons in Indianapolis. And he didn't even average three yards a carry as a NFL professional running back. That's awful. He only averaged 33 yards a game. That's awful. The Browns, to me, still won the trade even though they still won the trade, even though you had Manziel didn't live up to their expectations. Because Trent Richardson, and then he he went, it was awful. It was just simply awful. Ryan Grigson is one of the worst general managers in league history. The fact that he lasted as long as he did in Indianapolis with all the egregious decisions and trades and his lack of doing anything for his franchise quarterback is astonishing to me. Yeah, I mean, because Luck's one of those quarterbacks for like, he's just like, he's like the Brady's. Like, he's really, really good at dissecting defenses and like knowing what to do with it. I mean, he's a Stanford guy. I mean, he completely torched Tech when he played us. Like, he made us look silly. We do not I, talk about, about the, we, we don't talk about the forbidden past that is the Stanford Tech Orange Bowl. I do. But hey, Tyron still had a pretty nice throw. Um, he did. Right before he went out of bounds. But, but yeah, with Colts, dude, I just I always I always felt bad for Luck because he was one of those guys where like he's well he was always well respected and probably like one of the nicest guys we'll ever meet in the NFL. Just from seeing interviews and just how the way he acts around other players, like when the dude gets hit, like I don't know if you've seen like, the videos of like him getting hit, and he's like, oh, he's like he like is thanking the person as he like gets up. He's like, oh, good, nice hit, dude, nice hit. Like, come on. Like, he's just a stand-up guy. And management did nothing to give him weapons. I mean, they had T.Y. Hilton. He was a stud. I will admit, I mean, he's one they had T.Y. They, they had T.Y. They had Dante Moncrief. But it's not like it was an incredibly, like, star-studded team that, no. you know, was, was. was able to protect Luck. Luck didn't have that offensive line necessarily. Like, no. what is the only year he had it was in 2018 in his last full season when they drafted Nelson out of Notre Dame. 
And that who, was they went. That was when they were looking really, really good. Too. Yeah, and they ended up getting to the divisional round against uh, Kansas City, but that was they didn't really stand a chance against the MVP of that year. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. I mean, with the Colts, I mean, if Andrew Luck would have had the line that he has in 2018 the entire year, the Colts would have at least won Super Bowl. I because, I, I think their offense was good enough to get there. They just didn't have. I mean, I don't care what your name is. If you drop back one, two, three drops, and somebody's already in your face, I mean, what the hell do you expect them to do, right? Exactly. You can't do anything. That's why you turn the ball over a lot, too. You know, since you're wearing a Yankees jersey, let's talk about MLB for a second. Oh, no way. We're doing it. Oh, I know yes. this is kind of going off but topic, but, uh, you know, with the MLB coming back and the NBA and the NHL, I mean, obviously, with everything going on right now, I still think there is some doubt over all of the professional sports leagues. But they all have plans. Hey, no, the MLB is back. They've announced it. They said it. MLB is back. Oh, I know. And, you know, I know me and you are both going to get massive amounts of hate because of the fact that we're Yankees fans. But I don't give a flying crap, dude. <laughs> I've been a Yankees fan for years back in the Hideki Matsui days. The rider dies. Hey, I don't care what anybody says. Mariana Rivera is the best closing picture of all time. Roll Yanks. That's all I got to say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at it at 60 games, and then God knows what happens in the playoffs. I think this is going to benefit a lot of smaller teams, like the Angels, the teams that you wouldn't think would be making the playoffs, but they're going to now because it's a shorter, a way, way, way shortened season. Well, and now, like, instead of, like, the Mike Trouts of the league, you know, the big star-studded players – Instead of them just having them like at those like average not like outings where like they aren't really playing very well, it's a very condensed schedule. Therefore, you're trying to play and go all out every single game. Never really been a bit like a big fan of Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was the type to where he would loaf during parts of games, especially during the middle chunks of the year or during the dog days. Um, I think you're not going to see that as much anymore. You're going to see players go 125 percent. Every single game, you're going to see guys lay out a lot more. At least I would, personally. I mean, it's a lot more condensed game. You might as well go all out. Because if not, you're, you're going to be guys. You're going to be see, you're, you're going to definitely see teams that aren't going to be very good. And you're going to see the teams that are very, very good. You're gonna, I mean, because the stars are going to come out to play. Yeah. Honestly, when it comes to it, the Yankees will be in the playoffs. The, the Astros will be there. I will keep my relative opinions about the Houston Astros alone because there's most of my thoughts about the Astros include some explicit words. Um, then you, I really think the Angels are finally going to make the playoffs this year. Their offense is ridiculous. Mike Trout's the best player in the game, and it's not even close. Yeah, Uh, I agree. And then you, and, and then on the NL side, you'll have the Braves, and you'll have the Dodgers, who are the best team in the National League with. Out competition. Um, I think the Nationals take a step back because they lost so much. And yes, they did keep Strasburg, but they did lose Anthony Rendon and a they're couple not, others. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be relevant. Um, I honestly, again, yes, the Nationals won last year, but unless the Dodgers get to the World Series, I any anybody that comes out of the American League is going to beat them. Um, I mean, if if Kershaw plays the way he does, he'll be lights out during the regular season, make the playoffs, and he'll choke it up like he always does. Exactly, like they always do. 
talk good though. Hey, I'm not worried because our problem for the Yanks has always been we were never quite good enough because of our pitching. But you know who we went and just spent a crap ton of money on? Garrett. Garrett Cole, one of the best pitchers in the MLB. So it should be an interesting it. year. Dude, we got it set. If our boys can stay healthy, I, I'm not gonna be one of those bandwagon fans. It's like, oh, we're gonna win, we're gonna win it, we're gonna win it, we're gonna win the pennant, we're gonna win the World Series. Nah, dude, I'm being legit. We got the tools. We got the tools. That is the whole thing. It's like I despise Yankee fans that in like any argument that they get into, their first reaction is this. What about we have twenty seven championships? That do not use that as an argument point. That just makes all of us look bad. And they'll also use the fact that we spend like nine hundred million dollars on players every single year. Yeah. It's like big Even though the Red Sox have had the highest payroll the last two years, but I won't talk about that. But you know what but you know what I mean though. The Yankees have never been afraid to spend high amounts of money on players. Yeah, so I mean I think the Yankees have a really good shot. I think I think honestly, I know I know what the MLB wants. They want the Dodgers and they want the Yankees. I dude, I would love that. I'd love to see Kershaw choke again, dude. So I it'll be an interesting season. It'll be an interesting season to say the least. I'm excited. Yeah, you know, there's though. another kind of football going back into it related kind of thing that I really don't understand is the fact and we might get hate for this but this is my opinion we need to just stop with this whole Clemson is not as good as they are because they play in the ACC look I know they have a very weak schedule that's a known fact but when they get in the conference play it's not their fault that. Do you see Alabama plays? Alabama doesn't play anybody until week five that's relevant. Like, and then they play people sometimes. But, I mean, look, when it comes to Alabama, you're always going to get a tough schedule with them because they play in the SEC. They have to play LSU every year. they got to play Auburn every year. Yeah, but they play at least, like, two or three tune-up games with these crappy teams that are in, like, Oh, yeah. yeah. They are... They're actually opening with SC this year, so that should be an interesting one. Okay, well, that's good. Let's but go my whole issue with them, and Auburn for that matter... They play these FCS cupcakes the week before they play each other. That's always annoying me. I want to see Alabama and Virginia Tech in the uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff game again. That's but when it comes to Clemson, they did schedule Notre Dame this year, so props. But when they get in the conference play, you look at the Atlantic Division. Florida State's average. Louisville has potential. NC State, eh. Boston College has potential. And then you look on the coastal side of things. I mean, you have Miami, who's got potential. Pitt got potential. The coastal is pretty much this year is between Tech and North Carolina. You got Duke, and 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 then you got Georgia Tech, who are just playing bad. Nobody is ranked in the ACC usually at the end of the year, just for that simple fact. And yes, I think Clemson benefits from the fact that the ACC is a weak conference, and it is. There's no denying it. It's not the Big Ten, it's not the Big 12, it's not the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12 is massively underrated as a conference. People can say what they want. Um, For somebody who's a fan of the Pac-12, Washington's usually good, Oregon's usually top, Stanford's usually good, Washington State's been on the rise. So uh, you got Arizona State this year, you got SC obviously, but... I think the ACC is the weakest Power 5 conference. I don't think there's any debating that. But I just think that's how it's going to work. I th- 
with Clemson. I just get sick and tired of hearing the fact that, oh, their schedule is weak. They don't play anybody. They scheduled Notre Dame this year, and it's not their fault. Everybody in their conference sucks compared to them. That's true. I mean, with Clemson, I mean, I've always been a pretty big fan of Clemson just because they were like the team that kind of dethroned Bama in a way. And they haven't, like you said, they haven't really gotten that recognition. And people say, like, the conference is weak, which, I mean, like I said, like you said, you can't help that whatsoever. You can't help the fact that you're in a weak conference. You know what I mean? Like, you have to just, like, battle through that. I mean, if anything, you have these teams that are like Alabama, you have the fans that say that. Like, if your team are playing these solid eight, like, SEC teams five times out of the year and you end up winning the whole thing, you should be proud of that. Like, I mean, I'd be incredibly proud of that. But, I mean, you can't deny the fact that Clemson isn't just as good as those teams that does the same exact things just because they just so happen to have to play, you know, the Georgia Techs, the Pitts. Like, I mean, what do you, what do you expect them to do? It's a conference play. That's how these schools make money. They have to do this. Like, I mean, I guess until another ACC team becomes relevant again, I mean, maybe hopefully it's Tech within the next few years. Being a Tech fan, that'd be awesome. Maybe Tech can be relevant again, and so these these rumors can stop, and these people can just shut them up. Not shut them off. That's kind of harsh, but be a little bit more quiet and have a little bit more respect for Clemson and Dabo. Um, I think Dabo is personally the best coach in the NCAA right now. That's just my opinion. One hundred percent agreed. Um, I think he's at the point now. It's kind of like with Bud Foster and Beamer. Uh, when someone when Beamer and Bud Foster were in their prime of coaching and they had these star-studded teams and we were getting these a ton of recruits from our state, you know, which one take to take a bit of notes from because we never get guys from our state. That's the same that goes for the Clemson teams. Dabo does an excellent job of recruiting. And... He basically made that Clemson team, like, I don't know if you've seen, like, the facilities before. I mean, the facilities were, I mean, they're obviously a Division One facility. And when Dabos came, like, came and, like, started coaching and started winning those games, like, he changed, he changed that whole entire environment, like, in Clemson. He made them, like, a spot on their, like, the road. Like, if you saw Clemson, like, that's what you want. You want to go to Clemson. Like, you want to play. You want to be like Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? If you're a young stud kid in high school nowadays in 2020, or at least for me personally, if I was a big five-star recruit, I probably would go to Clemson because, I mean, you're going to get all the great things that come with being a college football player and more. And like you said, you got to play it to your advantage. The ACC is still kind of crap. So if I'm a recruit, if I'm a recruit, I'm a player, I want to go to a team that I could possibly, you know, already get a few uh, film in, a few plays in, which most Division One players that come into the NCAA don't necessarily get a lot of times. You have these high-star recruits that turn out to be not as, not as good or just don't quite reach their potential. They won't reach it because they go to teams like Alabama – where they are, in fact, playing these tougher teams throughout the season, so they're not really seeing any time, unless you're like the Trevor Lawrence's. But, I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll always have respect for Clemson. Um, I think they're always a star-studded team. And besides the fact that they always have really, really good players, I like the way they play the game. Um, I think they have a pro-style system in a way. 
and I think they're going to be a tough team to beat within the next five years. So. Yeah, I don't think I don't think their dynasty ends anytime soon. Even when no. Trevor, even when Trevor yeah. Lawrence leaves, they had uh, that, and they brought in a five star recruit this past year at quarterback, who's the best in the country. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think Dabo is far and above the best coach in the country. I think still it's one two him and Nick Saban. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where Clemson goes if we have a season. I just think that they're the national championship favorite to me. They got Trevor Lawrence. They got Travis Etienne. Uh, yes, they don't have Justin Ross, but they have so much young talent waiting so, in the wings. Uh, it's so many. That, that the recruiting class is bar nine per usual. So. I don't think Clemson, and obviously being in the week at ACC, I just don't see anything. I'll tell you a team, college football-wise, that I think it's surprising people, and us as Tech fans are, us as Tech fans are going to see them early if our season happens. Penn State. I think Penn State's got a lot of potential. Okay. All right. All right. Um. They were good last year. Now, obviously, the issue is they are in the same division. You know, in the Big Ten, you have divisions. They're in the same division with Ohio State, so they have to beat Ohio State to, you know, have a chance at the Big Ten championship game or have a chance at the playoff. But and they're usually competitive with the Buckeyes. I think they have a chance. I still think Ohio State will take the conference, just because they're so talented. They have Justin Fields who's the second-best quarterback in the country to me outside of Trevor Lawrence. Um, I mean, there are some people that say Justin Fields might go before Trevor Lawrence in the draft. I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those people. But, yeah, I, um, I still think Ohio State wins it, but Penn State has a lot of opportunity to maybe upset them. I don't think it happens, but it is a possibility. Who are big time players for Penn State? What, what, what's like their what's like their stud they got? Who do they have? They have you know, they have honestly, I don't really pay much attention to them. But I mean, you take a look at some of their guys in the past: Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders. Penn State puts. Oh, actually, I do. He's the arguably the best defensive player in the country this year, and linebacker Micah Parsons. Okay, yeah. Okay, Parsons is legit. Supposed to be a top five pick if we do end up getting a draft. Um. So, there's that, and then, I mean, people can say what they want about Tech and Fuente, and I've got plenty of opportunities to express my feelings on Justin Fuente, but we'll save that for another podcast when, uh, when of course, we talk about him. But, it's just, to me, Penn State's got an opportunity week two, and we've talked about this privately. Tech can be as bad as they want. Lane Stadium is still Lane Stadium. Exactly. Now, if there are no fans, if we end up playing games and there are no fans, like I predict, that might be that might be a whole different game. Whole Penn different State game. kills them. Personally. Um, but we'll get to that. I think Penn State has well, a lot of opportunities. Probably could be on. She can talk about um one of our favorite Penn State players that we played against in the state championship our senior <laughs> year. He's not. Uh, Starting linebacker for Penn State, I believe. Interesting, interesting, yep. interesting. Brandon Brandon Smith, I believe, is his name. I yeah, think we'll have to, that's that's honestly that's honestly something we can talk about the next time. He was a stud. He was a stud. But 
Yeah, I mean, there is, you know, there's always that surprise college football team. I mean, let's be real. Did anybody expect LSU to run off 15 and win the national championship at the start of last year? Uh, I mean, Joe Burrow did. He told everybody. Well, yeah, but there's a difference between telling somebody that you're going to run the table and have the greatest college football season ever and, and then actually it. Dude, doing he it. He his shot. That's the best shot caller of all time. Screw Bay Ruth, bro. He's, like, he's out of the question now. <laughs> Joe Burrow, bro. Go Tigers. Joe Burrow, I knew you were going to say that. Oh, man. Um, and honestly, with college, I mean, like I said, you have that one, two, and three locked up, the winner of the SEC. And I said last podcast, I think Florida has a very, very good opportunity to win the SEC this year. Um, I have a friend who's an SEC, who's who, uh, who's a who's a Florida Gator fan. What's up, Austin? Um, so... I think Florida has a really good opportunity. I don't think LSU is going to be as good because they lost so much. Is, is Tebow going to like reclass and play for Florida? Is that <laughs> no, no, man. Uh, they've got real good talent. Kyle Trask is a really good quarterback. That's true. That's um, true. I think Florida's got potential. The only Florida thing has to deal with Georgia, and you got Georgia. They brought in JT Daniels from USC. They brought in Jamie Newman from Wake Forest. Emmett Smith's son committed to Florida, didn't he? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, he's a scientist. So, I think it's Florida and Georgia, but I think Florida has a better shot because we've been through Georgia before. They don't know how to win big games. Um, like, yeah, you beat Oklahoma in the playoff, but then you lost to a true freshman quarterback and two attack of Aloha in the national championship game. So, um, as far as the other half of the SEC, it's, let's be real, it's Auburn, it's Bama. Hey, War Eagle. It, it's... War Eagle. Uh, I, I have a friend. I have a friend who's an Auburn fan, so War Eagle. Um, I've always been a like not like fan of Auburn, but I've always like kind of like like watching Auburn play. I think they're always a team to watch out. for. I dislike them for obvious organ reasons. But you're a Cam. You like Cam? What you mean? I did not like Cam in college. Actually. Oh my because he was good no it had nothing to do with that it had nothing to do with that i was just your team in the national championship yes oh yeah that's what it was yes and no that and the bs play of michael dyer who was a hundred percent down but we won't go into that (laughs) but you can't tell me there's not a player that came to dallas that you didn't like in college that i didn't like in college because I've had plenty of them in Carolina. I don't know, dude. I mean, I've usually always liked our draft picks. Surprisingly, I'm an Oregon fan. So, it is in my DNA as you hate Stanford. Okay. Yeah, I, I I despise Stanford more than any other team in college football. I despise them because I'm a tech fan because they whooped our tail. So. so, when it comes to Stanford, I'll be honest. I know how good Christian McCaffrey was in Stanford, but I hated playing him, and I really didn't like him, even though he was an all-class guy. But obviously he gets drafted to Carolina, who is my he NFL was, team. He, he was nasty in college. Oh, he was. There ain't no denying it. I mean, there's a reason he was the eighth overall pick in 2017. I mean, he was it for a reason. Right. That's the thing that makes me so upset about the Panthers. How are you not going to get a few more like star-studded offensive players to surround around Christian McCaffrey, dude. Because the front office and the ownership are a bunch of morons. Dude, like, um, could y'all imagine if you had a good offensive line 
I've been preaching this offensive line thing for over a decade now, and they continue to fail to fix it. Here is my issue, and I'm going to get real, real with you for a second because this pisses me off. Okay, word, all right. Jordan Gross in 2013, who is Carolina's best offensive lineman of all time, retired. He was our left tackle. It has been a revolving door at that position ever since. I mean, y'all's most relevant offensive lineman in like the past year has only been what? Like Ryan Khalil? Is that it? Ryan Khalil at center and Trey Turner, who was our okay, best. Yeah, Trey I mean, Turner. Like besides that, that's it. Yeah. And then, and then Cam, Cam still won an MVP with a crappy offensive yeah. line. And Trey Turner, with who has been our best lineman, they traded to the Chargers this year for Russell Okung, who's. Our, I guess our new left tackle, but like I said... Hey, Okun's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be no different than the others, from Michael Orr, from Byron Bell, to Daryl Williams. I mean, how many people have we put at the left tackle position? It doesn't work. Our offense... That's a, that's a tough position to find somebody solid. Oh, it is. That's I'm hard. not denying that. But it just annoys me that it's year after year after year I have preached about Carolina trying to do something, and they wait. And then, yes, and they, of course, have Greg Little, and they have Taylor Moten. So they have hit a few linemen, but you see what the Colts did. They said, screw positional talent. We have the sixth overall pick. They traded down for number three, actually, that year. Screw it. We're going to draft an offensive lineman, and Quentin Nelson is the best offensive lineman in the NFL now. No competition. it's like what the Cowboys did with our pick. You had Zach Martin, a fantastic pick. There's something about offensive linemen in Notre Dame, man. Zach Martin went there and Clinton Nelson. So, I think that that's just kind of how it goes. And it's my thing. And I've said it before. If Cam Newton got hurt behind this offensive line, what the hell is Teddy Bridgewater going to do? So... The, I mean, it, it irritates me because I've been preaching for years, and they, they I don't remember the last time they drafted an offensive lineman in the first round. It might have been Jordan Gross. And then this whole offensive line issue is one of the main reasons they lost the Super Bowl, and I know everybody listening to this podcast is going to say, oh, if Cam would have fell on the ball, if Cam would have fell on the ball. Shush. Um, all they had to do was make a double-team adjustment on Von Miller because Mike Rimmers was awful and was getting burned and burned and you know, burned and burned. one of the greatest players in the league right now. You know, we're not going to double-team Von Miller. So. That's the whole reason. And then what pissed me off is they did double-team him in the opener the following year. I was like, you do to, you choose to do that now and not in the Super Bowl? And that's not been a coaching thing, dude. When it comes to the trenches like that and those situations – that's not the coach calling out the um, protections. The line should be, should be good enough to know that, which exactly. obviously showed how mature they were and showed they were obviously not elite and how why they basically didn't deserve to win that Super Bowl game. No offense to you. Oh, none taken. Uh, I mean, it happens when you go against one of the greatest defenses in playoff history. And with the whole fumble thing, everybody's going everybody's gonna to go to that. That's yeah, just I know. The way it is. Honestly, and some Panther fans will say they'll never get over it. I got over it a long time ago. You can't dwell on it. It's that's just, not a good winner. That's not going to make or break the game. I hate to tell you. Like, yes, the game was close. But people acting like we would have gone down the field and scored when we couldn't do anything offensively the whole game. So like, like I've got Honestly, if we would have landed on it, we probably would have ran, ran, ran the ball and it would have been... Yeah, so, like, I just, when it comes to Super Bowl 50, I just kind of put it in the rearview mirror. It was 
almost it'll be five years ago. It's five. It was five years ago. Almost five years. So I don't really dwell on it that much. But as I said, the offensive line inconsistencies and issues in Carolina have been real ever since Cam was drafted. There's a reason why Jake DeLome got killed every game. Why Matt Moore got killed every game. Why Jimmy Clausen was as bad as he was. Why Cam got killed every game and why he has so many injury issues now and why he still continues to sit on the sidelines while all these other players around him get signed that are like, are you kidding me? Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If you don't have a good offense and defensive line in the NFL, I don't care what you have. You're not doing anything. you got to be good in the trenches. Um, which Carolina last year, they were terrible offensively offensive line-wise, and their defensive line was one of the worst in the history of the league. Which is why I still don't get why Dallas signed the two starters off of that defensive line, but hey, what do I know? Um, and then, as far as Carolina goes, that's kind of my issue, is offensive line, and they continue to neglect it. I mean, they went all defense this past draft. That's like, you can't take one offensive lineman. Seriously. Like, like one. Like, for the love of God. I'm so sick about preaching about this year after year after year after year about the Panthers' offensive line issues. Like, when's it going to change? All I ask. It just amazes me. And the fact that McCaffrey has rushed for over 1,000 yards each the past two seasons with that offensive line is amazing. But that just goes to prove how great Christian McCaffrey is. Yeah. That's true. Well... Is that basically it for today? Yeah, man. I think that's going to do it for episode three. Like I said, we were shorthanded again. It was just us two. But um, like I said, um, episode four will be next week. Me and Carl are going to try to do one for just us. But hopefully we'll have three or four of us for one next week too. But uh, you can go follow us at Boys to Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yes, sir, boys. Catch you all later. See you, big boy.